0: We talk a lot about money mindset and the importance of making sure that's healthy. Well, today on the podcast, we've got two amazing coaches who are coming in to um, kind of walk through some of the biggest money questions and mindset issues that you guys have submitted. Check it out. Welcome to the Wallet Win Podcast. Each week, we take a look at a different piece of the personal finance puzzle. I'm Jonathan Texera.
1: And I'm Amanda Texera. We're your guides on your journey to getting out of debt, building wealth, and changing the world through generosity.
0: Here we go. Hey guys, Jonathan here. I want to tell you about this live workshop series that we got coming up. It's all about merging and managing your money as a team. So if you are engaged, if you are newly married, or you just haven't done this yet in your relationship, you got to join us. And we're going to go through this. We're going to do it live. We're going to hang out with you guys. And you can claim your 40% savings right now for a limited time at walletwin.com slash money together. That's walletwin.com slash money together. I am pretty excited for today's episode. Why is that? Well, you know, I'd say I'd say some of our best episodes are when the two of us are on the episode talking about money stuff.
1: True, kind of rounding out the conversation. Yeah, Complimentary.
0: double perspective. Well, I, you know, if two people are good, mm-hmm. two perspectives are good.
1: What about four? What
0: if we doubled the double? <laughs> right? We got the double double. Uh, so we've got four perspectives today and, and so it's exciting up it's exciting. <laughs> I'm so excited. my mouth can't even talk. Uh, we've got Aaron and Matt Ingold uh, to chat with us about really taking a deep dive look at some some money mindset stuff, right? This is our first uh, money milestone when you're working through the Waltwin method. We begin by understanding and examining your relationship with money. Where is it coming from? What is it? Where are the good parts? Where do you need some work? And speaking of mindset, and and coaching people through things like that well, that is if you're actually looking for experts, what Matt and Aaron do. Yes.
1: Yes, that is what they do over at Metanoia Catholic. And I'm excited to dive into the conversation today because we do a live Q&A every single week in our Wallowin Academy. Mm-hmm. And I would say um, a lot of the questions come in, start practical. But then if you peek under the hood, mm. about 90% of them deal at some level with a money mindset issue. They're either misunderstanding money, not relating with it correctly, fault like a negative emotion is coming up and they're perceiving it in um, a harmful way. And that's a, how they're applying things with their money. So- this conversation is so needed. And Jonathan and I, of course, we talk about this all the time, but you guys, this is your kind of your, this is where you live and breathe. Right here, right in that space, in the mindset. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, let's bring our our, our dynamic duo on, the, the four of yes. us. Welcome to the Wallet Win Podcast, Matt and Aaron.
2: Thank you.
3: Thank you. The duo of duos. Du- we yes. are- <laughs>
0: I'd say you you are the two pieces of cheese to our two hamburger patties. I was, my brain
2: totally went to five guys as soon as you said double.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today um, and for being willing to speak into this. Uh, Just a little bit of background for those who are listening. Jonathan and I, after we knew we were going to have this podcast episode recorded, we went to our community and we, Told everybody. And we said, hey, if you could sit down and talk with mindset coaches specifically about money, what would you ask them? And a number of answers came to the surface. And then we kind of condensed those into some common themes. Mm -hmm. And that is what we're going to tackle today. Um, But before we practically get into that, would you guys be able to back us up just a little bit about you? Let us know who you are and kind of why this work became such a passion of yours?
3: Mm. Well, we are um, Matt and Erin Ingold, and we are owners of Metanoia Catholic. And we, um, how did we get into this? Oh, this was—we well, so- started going
2: through our own coaching uh, program <laughs> actually when you know a few years back, and and uh, it was in a time in my life where I was really personally I felt like I was in a rut. It took us a long time to get pregnant. Prior to that, we were really felt called to give ourselves to the church, but you know um eventually we had our first daughter and uh she's our only daughter and and i love her to death she's wonderful and still there was this longing there was something there's this we felt like we were called to do something more
3: mm-hmm.
2: um and that's no that takes nothing away from our daughter she's absolutely wonderful she's napping right now so lord please, <laughs> good nap, please. Um, <laughs> building the business on, on a on nap time
3: yeah Mm-hmm. but
2: we uh I knew that there was something I know in my life that was just lacking and needed to change and we came across some life coaches that were friends of ours actually Aaron went to studentville uh mm-hmm. with uh with with one of them and and uh there was just something I was just drawn to with it and I'd always thought life coaching was something very hokey um <laughs> it was just kind of like well, what are you gonna tell me about my life well in fact yeah I
3: like oh you're gonna tell me how to live if, my life if, what it's if,
2: right? yeah in fact it like these people that were very <laughs> skilled in being able to draw out the things that were going on in your interior life behind the scenes that I wasn't even aware of that were impacting my life. Mm-hmm. Once I started to go through that, even after years in working with ministry, we are thinking, man, these skills that we're learning right now and how to really think about our thinking, which is a uniquely human skill, mm-hmm. uh, it distinguishes us from the animals, right? in mm-hmm. uh, our dignity in that. If we had had these when we were working in ministry, we would have been able to bring these tools to our young adults and our, our youth been and our been married couples effective. that we were yes. yeah,
3: a lot more effective. And
2: we started to really mm-hmm. just experience the fruits ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so um, we started to look and say, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're going through in this program, it's not very Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of self-referencing. There's a lot of new age. There's a lot of bootstrapping. Where is grace in all this? We brought up in the church to believe that grace is really the change agent. This seems like it's making the person the change agent. And so we started to look for other Catholics life coaching programs, we found spiritual direction, we found counseling, but coaching is something that is, it kind of straddles a line between the two, working with people that are above that baseline on the spectrum of mental health, that are just looking to
3: increase, increase their wellness. in the, in the yeah. wellness and
2: the positive psychology mm-hmm. into the sphere. sphere. And uh, when we didn't really find much here, we thought, you know, maybe the Lord is calling us to this. And as we started to step out, and follow that lamp onto our feet, it really opened up into this amazing business where we just feel fully alive right now. And mm-hmm. we've got a number of things we're actually training now, even coaches within our Metanoia Catholic coaching method, which is authentically Catholic. It doesn't have any of the new age stuff that you find in a lot of the secular coaching programs. So people come to us, primarily Catholics that love that self-development, that per- per- personal development space, but they want to do it in a, in a place of integrity. Yeah. That's not outside of their faith.
3: Mm-hmm. there you go right. and to
2: Aaron's the brain behind it right? <laughs> Aaron's our that's master. way
3: more eloquent speaking though she's our <laughs> she master coach
2: she's the one that's, that's put that put together a training program she does a lot of her coaching calls that we have in the Metanoia Catholic Academy which is for Catholics that, that are looking to adopt some of these mindset skills and apply them to their lives so that they can be those best versions of themselves live that life of abundance at John 10.10 Well,
3: and I want to speak to this Topic specifically in my own life because it was doing mindset work, doing taking taking these skills actually that I learned at a secular school Mm -hmm. and brought it to prayer, kind of married the two Mm -hmm. where I received a tremendous amount of healing in in my mindset around money and thoughts that I didn't even know existed Mm -hmm. in there. So I'm, I'm. we're happy to leave your listeners with a couple of even just those practical applications that we try on ourselves, and it was changed the trajectory of like our financial future. That's the only way I can describe it.
2: it. It went from a place where I felt victimized by my financial circumstances to one where I felt responsible, and it was like it, like the area of money turned into like a very playful place, and quite frankly, the fruits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could say that I've I've made more, I've made more in the last year and a half than I did in the previous five years. And I mean, that's not because, and it wasn't because I was working harder, right? Mm -hmm. It was a shift in mindset. And some of our clients come back and see the same exact thing where they experience those same financial fruits. It's not always the case, right? There's different fruits show up in different ways. Mm -hmm. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the Lord wants the fruits to show up in ways of financial increase for some people. Mm -hmm. And we've seen that. And so much of it happens around first, primarily around the mindset shift. Yeah. the mindset set leads to the emotional life, ultimately Mm -hmm. leads to the way that we show up and the way that we act and behave. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm getting pumped. I'm excited.
1: You're pumped. Yeah. (laughs) And we've seen that, you know, even some of this mindset work, you can do it and feel the fruits almost instantaneously, even though the Dollars and cents in the bank didn't shift that much. You can have a completely different emotional relationship with money in just a month, Mm -hmm. let alone what a year and five years and 10 years out it'll echo into. Uh, That's where you're going to see that compounding interest, if you will, by doing that emotional work with the mindset right away. But it is something that you can feel the fruits of almost overnight just by getting right that that thinking about money and what it is so without further ado we've got four of these scenarios mm-hmm. do you want to kick out the first one john
0: yeah and and we're yeah so i'm gonna we're gonna step into uh the 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 world of this question i'm gonna maybe put on the the, the role of the hat his of background is
1: acting so wants uh, uh,
3: any uh, to get, get into fantastic. a role
2: yeah. <laughs> <would> invite, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we knew that man when we saw when we saw the greatest show <laughs> 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 Thank like, you. Thank I want, you I want to be friends with
0: these people. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, I'm glad that we're talking because I you're talking about here I'm entering into this now. Um you talk okay, yeah, okay. So, you, oh yeah, I had this mindset shift and and you know, the money thing, but I'm going to tell you what. I am what I'm 35 years old. I've never been good with money. I've always been just impulse spending, spending more than I have, not not paying. I don't even know. I don't know what's going on. It's been like this forever. I've tried things before; it never works out. So, money has never been good. I've never been good with it. I don't think I ever will be.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm just tired of it. And I, I, why do, why do, why do I even bother trying to learn what to do with it, how to handle it responsibly?
2: Because I just yeah. don't think I can. I know yes. you can jump right into this yes. and like put your coach hat on. I can. Do you think it's something. Do you want to lay a background, a backdrop for the kind of the, the anthropology a little bit on this?
3: We will, as we go along, I think this is actually helpful. So basically what Jonathan just said, Jonathan, what you just did, thank you Mm -hmm. for telling me everything. What, what we call that is a a verbal thought recon. You just told Mm -hmm. me all of your thoughts about money in half a minute, 30 seconds, maybe Mm -hmm. Um, not all of them. There's probably more in there, but, what I would like to do is just take one of them and focus okay. on that because that's how you really get to the grid of it. Mm-hmm. And if any anyone's out there, any of the listeners out there, this is what we recommend you to do. Write all of your thoughts about money and your relationship with it. So this one, I really like this one because it's really a personal relationship with money. Mm-hmm. I've never been good with money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. That was one of the thoughts. So let's focus on that one. Is that is that a good one to, for us to focus on? Yeah.
0: I mean, it seems I, like that's probably the, the big one. It seems that it's probably other things are coming from that.
3: Okay. So I've never been good with money. First thing I would ask as a coach is define good with money.
0: Mm, okay. Uh, so good with money is, uh, keeping it in my pockets or, um, having just a handle on it. So I feel like uh, it's, uh, even when I was a kid, right? I would get my allowance or whatever it is, or a gift, birthday gift. And I just like run off to the, depending on how much it was, the toy store, the corner store, you know, buy an ice cream or something. Um, And so it's all just like, you know, just spend, spend, spend. And then I know, right, I'm getting older. So there's things I I need to be doing, uh, or it seems like I should, but I'm not There's more, there's not, there's money, money's not there. I'm buying things I don't have the money for, or I'm buying things and then the things that I, I, maybe I really want, I don't have it. So it's just, it's just really stressful and it seems like it's got to be better than this. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's no good. So
3: it's interesting as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, what is money for? What, What do you think money is for?
0: Money is for... Money is for, I guess, providing. Mm -hmm. It provides things. It's, uh, I mean, it's how I get stuff.
3: Mm. I love this definition of money. So you can believe this or not, but I I love it. I love it. I love it. It's, we give money to things that we exchange in value. So we're like, we see it as Mm -hmm. a value and we give money to it. So it's interesting that if we go back to this thought, I've never been good with money. Maybe you were seeing these, like whatever you were spending money on, maybe you were just seeing those things as valuable. So technically you are good with money, but we can prioritize what you value.
0: Mm, Okay. Oh, that's tricky.
3: that's in here. <laughs> want to focus on what it is that you value and what, what you don't value because mm-hmm. there might be a judgment attached to it it's like all those things that i just bought that i just got rid of all my money you know um aren't really valuable in retrospect i'm looking back at them right mm-hmm. but what if what if you were always really good with money you were always exchanging this neutral resource for value but now all you have to do is prioritize what you value more and be more deliberate about that.
0: Sure. So you're saying you're you're suggesting, if I'm hearing this right, being good with money means I'm using money for what it does, which is exchange value. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe it's not money I'm bad at, maybe it's the valuing things. Determining a proper value in light of all the other things. Yeah. Okay. Something bad at that.
1: So prioritizing <laughs> prioritizing Chick-fil-A maybe when
0: and there's important. More you know, important there was
1: a hospital
3: bill due. <laughs> or something like
1: yeah.
0: That. Yeah.
3: But I, I think what the reason why I'm pointing that out is I think a lot of people can create these identities around money and be like, that's the issue here. I just am bad with money. It's like, well, actually, I mean, we assess and judge all day long what, what we think is valuable and and we can also become way more intentional about that. And that's actually an easy thing to do. It's like, well, what is more valuable this, you know, spending money on these shoes or I don't know, paying off my student loans, like what is more valuable and bringing it to that present moment versus I'm not good with money. Because do you want to talk about the model when you think I've never been good at money good with money? Yeah. How do you feel? So
2: so this is something where we have to we have to understand our anthropology, which means we just understand God's design, right? Mm -hmm. Design and also what uh, our fallen our fallen nature has done, what sin has done to distort God's original design. Mm -hmm. So our emotional life, a lot of us are very connected with our emotional life. Uh, Oftentimes in our triggered culture, we find ourselves acting from these emotions just because it's like, I see some sort of circumstance. I feel an emotion. I act a certain way from that. Mm-hmm. St. Thomas Aquinas calls this an antecedent appetite, right? It's something where it's just we haven't really thought too much about it, but we have an association with whatever we see, whether it's our, a certain balance level in our bank account, and that uh, says we have bad associated with it, and then we have fear, and then we act out of that fear. But what we want people to do is really start to think about that circumstance a little bit more and apply some more logic. Just like what Erin did. All Erin did was she took an association that Jonathan presented And she subjected it to reason. And she started to look at it from some different angles, right? And this is what we can do as human beings. And it's what we were created to do. It's by God's original design. This is what we did very naturally before the fall. This was our default. It's no longer our default. Now our default is the antecedent appetite. I see the stimulus. I feel something. I don't even think about it, but I react. Mm -hmm. And so what we Mm -hmm. seek to do as coaches is be conscious of that of the way that stimulus is causing an emotional response and pausing the action and saying, no, I'm not going to act in this emotion until it has been subjected to reason. And so subjecting to reason means putting a little bit of distance between yourself and the emotion, starting to think about it, maybe even mirroring somebody as a, co- as a coach that can kind of help you think about it, just similar to the way that, that Aaron did it. Mm-hmm. And then once you think about that in a very reasonable way, that reason thought that's inspired by God's truth, that's subjected to reason, that's that's informed by grace, is something that starts to have a new emotion, a consequent emotion, mm-hmm. is what Saint Thomas Aquinas calls us. And so those consequent emotions, the same way that our antecedent emotions happen, they move us into action. But now they're moving us into action that's aligned with truth, it's right?
3: Informed by reason. Yeah.
2: So often mm-hmm. what happens is people just recognize that I'm just spending their money. And I know that this isn't, this isn't necessarily leading to the results that I want, so therefore it's bad. So I'm just going to stop doing it. But they never fix the interior work that's going on behind the scenes that's driving that action. And so it's kind of like mm-hmm. it's kind of like having the gas pedal down our emotional life, put driving us in one direction, mm-hmm. and then just putting the brake pedal down at the same time. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. It's exhausting. It's wear and tear on our cars. Yeah. It's bootstrapping. It's exactly mm-hmm. what the Pharisees did. When they focused on cleansing the outside of the cup, and a lot of the time when it comes to money, rather than going in and finding our thoughts that we have about money and our misconceptions and our confusion that we have around money, we just look to mimic what we see, what we perceive to be virtuous, and not fix and ignore what's going on interiorly. Well, eventually, the correction of all ultimately it will happen
3: one year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And going back to even Jonathan, if I could have you step back into this role, this improv role, Uh, I've never been good with money. I want you to kind of just think about somebody who thinks that how they would feel. What is the emotion? I've never been good with money. What is the emotion that that sentence in their brain brings up?
0: Uh, I'm a failure. I'm a mess up. Yeah. I'm no good with money, but I could probably just stop that sentence earlier and say I'm no good.
3: Yeah. Shame. Right. Mm -hmm. Shame. And from that place of shame, how do you think they show up with any spending ahead of time, like uh, in the future?
0: Very timidly.
3: Yeah. They probably keep Mm -hmm. going back into the same. They, They probably don't go in and like feel empowered to change mm-hmm, their mm-hmm. habit. They probably keep doing the same thing, right? Whenever we like sin, we're like, well, I already sinned. I might as well just keep doing it. Right. That's, That's that
2: <laughs> Or if you only bury it. I yeah. mean, like you think of the, of you spirit. think of the 10 talents, right? Mm-hmm. Even in your prayer in the beginning, Jonathan, like God gives us his talents and expects a return with increase, right? Not just a return, but a return with increase here. And so like, we can kind of see the fruits on how God has given all of us talents, And we're invited to invest them. And in that investment, that is where we are transformed because we come to a place where we're stepping off into an unknown area. Whenever we're making an investment, even a financial, whether it's a financial investment, a time investment, we're stepping off into the unknown. And when we're in that space of unknown, we need to rely on faith at that point. And Jesus is always calling us to have more faith, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And when we start to walk by faith and not by sight, that's when a real transformation happens because we're disposing ourselves at that to perceive more of this transformative grace and money just becomes a vehicle. Like working through your money, the, your money uh, mindset problems mm-hmm. actually is something that helps you become a saint.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Amen. Amen yeah. So
3: I want to go back to the same scenario and I want to present to you a new thought. And then I want you to kind of tell me what that, feels like and what actions you might take out of it really what we're doing is just putting a space between you and this original thought which is i've never been good with money and just going oh that's a sentence in my brain that i can actually it feels very true still Mm -hmm. but i could start to put a little bit of space between me and it and possibly think something else here Mm -hmm. so something kind of when when we uh broke down the definitions we defined the terms and we talked about good being good with money doing what if i've always been good with money i just need to reevaluate what i value yeah
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes if 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 being good with money is the uh yeah is you using money right it is uh yeah exchanging it for values and all that stuff well yeah I'm, i can do that yeah um, so the money yeah i guess i'm okay with money um but it's that it's the the prioritization and all that and i'll say this though the bad with money that feels like a thing about me when i say that that sounds like it just a, that's just a part of me right an, an mm-hmm. attribute of me when i'm thinking about this um prioritization thing part of me Part of me is still saying like, okay, all right, well, whatever. Okay, I'm good at money, but okay, well, I'm bad. Now I know, the, okay, now I know I'm bad at prioritization. So just, I want to still kind of maybe sit in my in my puddle. But there's another part of me definitely <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: that is saying that feels more like a skill
1: mm.
0: instead of a thing about me. And so I might be really bad at prioritizing stuff right now, but it seems more doable to get better at that.
2: Amen. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, Jonathan, the way that you you ask uh, you answer the questions that Aaron asks about your emotion, mm-hmm. because you go very cognitive, right? <laughs> you, you, you respond with a lot of other thoughts. Many people do really about evo- evaluating yeah. the thought, and and really the exercise is is not so much going too cognitive, but just saying, okay, just stick with me here, mm-hmm. and I want you to just cast out all other other thoughts and just focus on this one thought Mm. and allow yourself to just be united with this one thought. And when you think this one thought, what is the emotion? Is it something that is, you know, perhaps it's curiosity or perhaps it's hope or perhaps it's joy or excitement. Or even just like
3: a little bit more adequacy, meaning like, oh yeah, I can do that. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm, prioritize mm-hmm. what I value even it right we want to kind of move the person away from that place of shame where they fall down that same cycle mm-hmm. and and a little bit more like oh if that's all I have to do is like prioritize what I value that feels more doable to me I think you said that
0: hmm yeah right. yeah
3: it seems doable it
0: sounds uh, it sounds learnable it feels yeah. learnable
3: it's incredible, mm-hmm. yep. yeah yeah <laughs> Mm
2: -hmm. Everything's bigger at all. Yeah. Okay.
3: So that's just an example of kind of putting space between us and these identity thoughts.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm.
3: And I'm glad that you picked up on that because it's like moving this away from that. It's like, oh, this is a skill that I could maybe possibly learn over here versus just keep going back to this old track, this old way of thinking over here. Mm
2: -hmm. Because we know
3: that just leads to shame and me doing the same thing over and over again.
2: Mm-hmm. I' will highlight too the fact that Aaron didn't come back and say, "You know Jonathan, I just want you to think that instead of thinking I've never been good at money, I want you to start choosing to think I am excellent with money <laughs> I am the best one mm-hmm. you know there was there's a, a i can't remember the author of it, but uh um oh it was it was called uh, uh the catalyst for Change uh and the author i can't remember. Re- uh, call his name, but he was a marketing professor out in the University of Pennsylvania, Wharton School of Business. And uh, he talked about a study where they had uh, two different groups and different political ideologies, and they were presenting new ideas to these groups. And if it was something that was a polar opposite of what they actually believed, there would be zero Mm ascent towards the new thought, the new belief. In fact, Mm -hmm. it would actually cause a greater polarization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so one of the one of the uh, the schools I thought that's out there when it comes to mindset coaching is you just need to start rescripting, writing scripts, right, mm-hmm. and just of the, the new thoughts that you want to assent to ultimately, and just by kind of classical conditioning, eventually you'll get there. But the reality it is that's not how we were created. Our right? brains are
3: way more sophisticated than that. Mm-hmm. It Bologna, Clever, it goes baloney. That's no, not true. That.
2: I mean. Different- <laughs> Yeah. If that was the case, then all evangelization would be your beloved son of God, your beloved mm-hmm. daughter of God. Mm-hmm. That would be true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like there, it doesn't really account for there's, there's an ascent, there's a journey that's there. Mm-hmm. And, and we are, and, and it doesn't really account for how far we have fallen um, and how far we have ingrained a lot of these lies into our lives. And the Lord is slowly just kind of Mm. removing these weeds right we're slowly removing these weeds amongst the weeds
3: i i think gentle this, ways. this is why money work money mindset work is so powerful because of kind of what we just uncovered there's a lot of identity stuff mm. with it a lot of identity stuff with it and i think it's just very helpful to break each one of these thoughts into even sentences down and being very intricate with it and like tackling each one. I I just be, yeah you gotta be surgical. Yeah. I'll give you guys just the practical <laughs> application right now so everyone can go and do this because it's awesome. I wrote every thought I thought about money. Thoughts in there that I didn't even know I had came out. I was oh, like, yeah. What? And and a lot of it had to do with my faith too it was like mm. you can only have this certain amount of money and then after that you are immor- you are immoral like i was like as soon as i saw it written out in front of me it was like but i know people who have more than that and they're like very holy people like yeah
2: sorry tom monahan
3: yeah like there's <laughs> no. like people who very have
2: generous people right
3: yeah. and so i was like putting these arbitrary measurements on it anyway then what i did was i called it prosecuting lawyer so i wrote all my thoughts out I like did um, literally like I wrote them down and I had the Holy Spirit come. He's the advocate. I said, Holy Spirit, come. Let's prosecute each one of these thoughts. Mm-hmm. And the questions I answered was, is this true? A hundred percent of the time, when is this not true? And what is the evidence for that? And that was it. That's all mm. I did. There were some mind blowing changes that happened. And I wanted to give that to everybody so they can kind of like write this, jot this down, go do this work, go do this. Just that one thing that changed me.
2: Yeah. Even the, the thought I've never been good with that money. If you take that and you subject it to, well, is that on true? Mm -hmm, hundred percent. And kind of where it goes is like, all right, well, you know, I'm actually really good with money over here, but in this one area, that's where I seem to struggle. So, okay, let's focus on this one area where, you, where you're where you struggling, okay? Yeah. And we can start to dig in and be a little bit more diagnostic in that area. And maybe there's an association there. Maybe there's a lie in that particular area that just needs to be broken. Yeah. But as soon as you start to loosen the never, which, by the way, by the way, always, never, just, that is never God's voice. Extremes. <laughs> It's like, it, it sounds it like is. a
3: dramatic sixteen-year-old girl, yep. shape, like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm forgetting right now. But isn't that part of um, Ignatian discernment? Is recognizing extremes when they're being pitched yeah. at, at you?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's the the, mm-hmm. the error happens when we take particulars and we make them universals, mm-hmm. right? We take a particular circumstance, and it's just like, okay, this person being
3: good with money. Yeah, this good. I
2: I. I Punted into the stands around money in this one. I missed this one bill, and it's just like yeah. ah, universal truth. Now I mean, this <laughs> is like, no, 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 no. Like let's, it's particular. Let's look at the particular, and not jump to making a universal truth. Because if we build a universal truth that's actually a lie, and then we ch- start to live by that, mm-hmm. it's going to have a ripple effect into all areas of our life. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. I love this. I've I loved watching you kind of be in character and I loved what you guys have just shared. Um how it's it's practical, but it's also so helpful mm-hmm. to be able to do that thought work. So thank you for unpacking that. And I even I mean, that's I feel like we just learned something ourselves. Um, you know, we've talked to people about this exact emotion or feeling before. Mm-hmm. But I really liked how you backed into it from a different angle with the prioritization.
2: Mm. Um, Words mean something. That's it. Define your terms. Always
3: define your terms. Be like good, because in this case, Jonathan, even though you're stepping into character, but in this case, he made an association with that word "good," and usually our associations create images, create pictures in our head. So it's like here's what a person with money who's good with money looks like Mm -hmm. the person who doesn't overspend who doesn't, you know, all of these things. Mm -hmm. And I am not them. Basically that was like the association that he made. And so that's why I kind of went in and just, I mean, I could have gone at it from a lot of different angles, but I wanted to find out when people make statements like that, measurement statements, um, qualifiers like good, bad, all that. I always want to know what does good look like to you and what does mm-hmm. bad look like to you? And is that even true?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, is it even true?
3: Mm-hmm. Cause
2: again, it's like we're talking about words and Jesus is the word made flesh and the antichrist is the anti word.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. And so when we have a, a, a false word or we have a, we have a false definition of a word, Right, and we live in a day and age where words people are trying to oh, change yeah. words all the time. Yeah, but Satan's been doing it for a very long time. Right, mm-hmm. just by changing, like Aaron, just went back to the objective root definition of what money is—the ontological, like what it was what it was created for, what mm-hmm. its end is. The mon- money, is there only to ex- to facilitate an exchange in value. Right, that's it,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and so she restored in a lot of ways. She restored the word. The, the meaning to that word. And now we, with that new meaning to the word, we can show up now with kind of like, all right, we, uh, the ability to judge whether or not we're in conformity to the truth with our understanding of that word or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Awesome.
0: This Did is you have fun that? Oh yeah, it's a, it a blast. It was a blast.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, since we have a few more, do you mind if we move on to the next one? Yeah, yeah, please I think This one is probably going to be pretty juicy too. They're all good.
0: Are you going to be the person this time?
1: I'm not really an actress. <laughs> we'll see how this, how this comes out. This next question
0: comes from Mandy <laughs> in Topeka. Mandy. Okay. English accent. I've heard
1: this a thousand different ways, actually, but here's the gist of the, the question. Um, we're open to life, but we're a single income household, so one person's staying home. And so are we just destined for a life of paycheck to paycheck or poverty or at least borderline poverty mm. um, because we're trying to be so generous and open to life with our family?
3: Mm. All right. There's so many ways I could go with this. Oh, man. Okay. So first thing I want to break down, are we just destined for this? I would say when your mind presents to you a question- you better intentionally answer it. Cause guess what? Your mind's going to answer it either way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's usually never for the better. <laughs>
2: it's never for growth. It's usually, <laughs> it's usually it, like, it usually answers it for the status quo. We
3: are just us for poverty. And that's and the, going to be how your and, brain's going to answer that. And
2: real quick, the reason why our brains do this, it's really a self-preservation tactic. Our, our, we know that what we think will lead to our emotions, which leads to the ways that we act, right? And so habitual ways of thinking are like if there's something protective about it, because we know the results that are going to come from that way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And if we know the results, we know the risks and we've assessed the risks and we've, and and we look at this this is familiar. It's not Mm -hmm. risky. This is, this is self-preservation, right. That's going on, but it's in a very worldly sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of the the first thing when you feel yourself defaulting to kind of uh, certain mindsets that you're just used to, just know that your, like, alarms are going to go off in your in your mind, in your brain, and say, like, no, this is something new. Mm-hmm. And there's something just hardwired into us that wants to avoid those areas of unfamiliarity. Mm-hmm. And this is why, first off, I like telling people, too, when they're saying, like, ah, you know, that new thought feels uncomfortable. It's like, can we replace the word uncomfortable with unfamiliar?
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: just kind of try that or out. Or new. Or it's just new. Yeah. Right?
3: Mm-hmm. Approach or Novel. I like novelty, so I'm like, I like that word. So let's just like look at this as novel. But another thing, kind of going back to what we were talking about with association, so our mind, and this is St. Thomas Aquinas' philosophy of psychology, our mind creates it couplings of things, and these are associations. Mm-hmm. And we do this in an under a split second, obviously, mm-hmm. but this person, Mandy, right, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That has equated, has made an association with being pro-life and poor. Mm -hmm. She's already made that association. So that's why I was asking, where do you think her mind's going to go in answering that question? Well, obviously, I'm always going to be destined to do Mm -hmm. this. So that association has been made open to life over here and poor. Okay.
2: Another association is single income living paycheck to paycheck poor,
3: yeah. yeah, right. Or paid. Yep. Single income paycheck to paycheck. So there was a couple associations made. I would like to even just question that association
1: mm-hmm.
3: meaning, well, is it true a hundred percent of the time that people who are open to life are always living paycheck to paycheck or always poor for everyone? Is it, is that true? Is that a universal truth? no. Can you give me some examples of the opposite of that? Like of, of people who are actually
1: thriving? I mean, we see people all the time that, you know, they have one child and they are doing great financially, eight children doing great financially. It has really nothing to do with that. mm I'm doing my best to act in the role. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm terrible at it. With
2: children and doing terribly financially.
3: Yeah, yeah, we know that too. We know.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yes, it really doesn't you you see examples all over the spectrum of people mm-hmm. with n- yeah, no kids and not doing well financially. It's it can be any combination of those factors. But in the Catholic world, I think there's almost like a a camaraderie and like a, a little bit of a, an emotional club I can join where I can kind of complain and I feel accepted and like I'm normal if I don't have any money and I just have a ton of kids. Yeah. It's like an identity that yeah. people can get behind and feel safe in.
2: And I want to affirm that desire too, mm-hmm. to find communion with people. Uh, even if it's in a place that's not necessarily going to be very life-giving, but just the desire to be in a, a deeper communion mm-hmm. with the body mm-hmm. of Christ is a really good thing. And then the question is, okay, what are the fruits of that common union, that communion of coming together? What are the things that you're doing? Is it leading to, you to a place where uh, a, a place of abundance or more of a place of scarcity? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Because you may be on the outside, right? having lots and lots of kids and there's a beautiful thing about that beautiful thing but interiorly there could be a lot of resentment even that you're holding on to to your kids or a lot of fear we know people that have just Mm -hmm. a lot of fear even to the point of fear of intimacy among spouses they're incredibly fertile, right Mm. and the fear is there the lord does not want us to have that that fear right Mm -hmm. and so uh if the thought is that i need to have more kids i need to kind of have this external, mm-hmm. this external result in order to believe that I'm truly pro-life. That's kind of the other. That's the other part of this that I think we need to get into a little more of a definition. On. What is?
3: Yeah. What is define pro, your terms.
2: Like, let's define really what pro-life is, because there are some people that are exteriorly. Somebody might say, "Oh, lots of kids. They're pro-life," but interiorly, there's a tremendous amount of fear and resentment there, and resentment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, right. Not a whole lot of thriving going on.
3: Yeah. So define your terms. I, I mean, I love, love, love John ten ten. You know, he came so that we may have life and have it abundantly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it looks extraordinary. Like you don't have a ton of kids, but you live a very full life, right? Yes. And, and you're there to serve the Lord. And that is what you're there to do. And then sometimes it looks like you have a ton of kids. But here's what I always focus on is yes, the interior quality of somebody. Mm-hmm. That is what defines a full life, an abundant life. If somebody's living out of resentment and fear, I'm questioning is that truly pro life? Not saying, not saying like, oh, you know, start to contracept or whatever. Like, that no, is, I'm no. not making right. that claim at all. But what I'm saying is, question the interior motives. Question what you think about God too, because I know a lot of people who have a lot of resentment towards God thinking I'm just so fertile and this is just the state I'm in. And I just keep having to have kids because God says, mm-hmm. oh, how's that relationship going with him? Right. Mm-hmm. So that puts a lot of distance between you and him. That's all thoughts. Those are all thoughts, all thought work there. So there's a lot of things that you can actually like dive into with that. But I would question that poverty. And I would say, what is my evidence to the opposite of this? Like is, are always people who are pro-life, are they always poor? Well, no. Yeah. So give me the evidence of the opposite and then just kind of say, what are they choosing to think?
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Like, I'm sure they're not thinking this. That these two equal each other. Yep. Well, what what do you think they are choosing to think? And really, just go on that trip with the Holy Spirit and let, let him kind of start to bring things up. for yeah, you. Yeah,
2: and I love how you say go on the trip with the Holy Spirit and let him bring up the things because, again, this is this is where you know Catholic coaching and secular coaching can kind of change a little bit. I I cannot mirror God's voice.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I can't. God's voice speaks so intimately to each person and really understands each person's individual circumstances that for as much as possible, we, we, as coaches, we really try to draw that word out of the person, right? Cause it's in there. The Lord is speaking, right? I will not lead you orphans. I will give you the advocate. He will remind you of everything I said and tell you about like everything you need to know. Like the, the advocate is there and, and, we can we can never mm-hmm. properly mirror the word that really needs to be spoken to that person, but we can help them to see the words that they are choosing right now, and to say, like, well, this is where it's leading over here. I just want you to look at this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: No judgments. We're just going to look at this. You see how this is connected, and sometimes th- that awareness piece, which is talking about a discernment, right? Like that's the three keys. That's number one for nation discernment. is just awareness, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the time. 50% of the work, 60, 70% of the work that we're doing as coaches is just bringing what is in the darkness into the light. Mm-hmm. Be judged, not to be condemned, but Ooh. just to be evaluated, just to be looked at.
3: Yeah. And I do want to give you guys a thought that helped me. It was a similar thought that I had, and it was kind of like, sounded a little bit something like this. Aren't we supposed to be like, okay with poverty as Catholics? <laughs> I was kind of like, like, aren't we supposed to be drawn into this? And when I wrote that out, I was like, yeah, that seems kind of true. You know, poor in spirit, all this stuff. So when I was taking it to prayer, the Holy Spirit actually in this moment, and this is obviously my own personal revelation. It's not like divine revelation, but it, he spoke to it and he said, but Aaron, have you taken a vow of poverty? Like in our church, we see that we see people actually intentionally taking vows of poverty. They are monks and priests and, you know, but like, have you done this in your vocation taking a vow of poverty? It was like, well, no, I didn't like, we didn't stand up at the altar and say, and yes, we vow to be poor." Mm -hmm. you know, like, so it was just an interesting way to kind of, okay. Yeah, like, and if I were to take that vow of poverty, it would be my intentional choice, just like Mm -hmm. these priests and these these people who do it, you know, and Lord always respects our free will choice. He's given it to us so that we can use it well, but it was just, it shed some light on it, and it was kind of like, there are some people that the Lord actually does give abundance of money to because he knows that they will be generous with it. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yes. And some people are called to that as well. So that was helpful for me. I don't know if that might be helpful for others, but thank you mm-hmm. for sharing mm-hmm. that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking too, um, I mean, you don't have to run and go through it all, but I think there's probably something there too of, of understanding what you're thinking of or what that definition is that you're operating with when it comes to poverty mm-hmm. or, um, you know, you might, like, what does it really mean? You know, when somebody takes that vow, you know, they're not going to own anything. Mm-hmm. um, And they're, you know, a lot of those, those orders, you know, they depend upon, you know, like begging, you know, for everything that they have and all that. And yeah. so that's very different than living a simple life. Mm-hmm. um, And so there's just, yeah, again, it's just kind of, seems like it's layers and layers of understanding what you're actually saying. Yeah. And that sheds a ton of light.
2: Yeah. And
1: then what God might be calling you to.
0: Yeah.
2: Right, and God never calls you outside of your vocation. Yeah, like He's never going to call you to, like He's never going to call you to be a priest if you're a married person. Right, He's mm-hmm. never going to call you necessarily like it, to um. I uh, call
3: you be a deacon, when, yeah. um, <laughs> <Right>.
2: <laughs> but like that's even part of it. Mm-hmm. I, I was listening to a talk by this uh, spiritual director Janet Lease, in mm-hmm. our healing conference that we had this past weekend, and she was just saying that like when you're not sure how to go forward, like consider consider your vocation, like your state in life
0: mm-hmm. and like
2: what is living well in that state in life yeah. look like. Right. And so if you're an entrepreneur living well in that state in life means having a profitable com- company, right? Mm-hmm. If you're, uh, if you're somebody that's, that's a nonprofit, right. Maybe it's maximizing your mission affection- effectiveness mm-hmm. is what you're, is what you're going for. So that question of state in life is something that I think mm-hmm. is really helpful when it comes to even discerning, you know, your, your levels of money, right? Your money goals that you want to set for mm-hmm. yourselves,
1: mm-hmm. right? And that that phrase "state in life" it reminds me of "rerum novarum"
2: because mm-hmm. uh, it's
1: referenced a lot in actually that encyclical from the financial standpoint of mm. discerning where God's calling you in relationship to money. You have to know your state in life and what is that and what's required of it. And what an appropriate budget looks like for that unique situation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, again, it can't be applied across the uh,
3: ever to everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it's unique. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, I love that you made that distinction. That's awesome. Because if you have more children, right, you probably
0: probably need a little bit, more money. To, yep. a little bit right? more money. Yeah, right. You need to buy more food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wash more socks. <laughs>
1: Buy more socks. Yeah, they all get lose lost. Lose more socks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. You want to hit the next one?
0: Sure. I'll be the next guy. All right. So you know, we joined WalletWin. We're working through the money milestones, the financial phases, and every time we like, we you know we're making progress. We're paying off debt. Or we're, we're we finally got some emergency savings up in the bank. Getting out of paycheck to paycheck. Whatever it's been. We get there, and then either something always comes up, or Mm -hmm. I just we I sab you know we sabotage ourselves, and we end up just you know we we might move up a milestone or two, and then we're just kind of knocking ourselves back another Mm -hmm. one or two, and it just makes this whole thing more frustrating and slower and harder and. I don't know why am I doing this? Why I, I, it's, we're making the progress. And then I don't know. I just, we stopped the progress.
3: I'm going to, there's a couple of things here. So once again, I would narrow down what, or is it something happened? What's the most recent thing that happened? Was there, you know, a pipe burst in your house or what is the thing that happened? We could narrow it down that way, or we could narrow it down with you sabotage yourself. Okay.
0: Well, okay. Here's, all right. So we're we're so we're working we got out of debt and we're working on our um saving up for emergencies mm-hmm. and you know we worked hard we got out of debt we did it you know i think relatively quickly i'm proud of what we did um and now we've got this big goal of we you know i want to save you know 6 months of expenses here uh, you know, for whatever might happen. And then we're in the midst of this and it's like, okay, our date, you know, we're we're going to save that and let's say we'll get that saved up in, in eight months or something. Well, three months in, uh, we're making great progress. We're on track maybe a little bit ahead. Uh, and then I go and book a big vacation. And then now that's eaten up all the money that I was going to put towards that goal um and so i was like okay yes and i know i wanted to do do these things i want to make this progress it's important to me um i I, it's what i want to do um for my family but i've put other things in the way so that i can't Mm -hmm. do that thing
3: you want to
2: take this so i'm about 200 pounds (laughs) all right (laughs) About six, six foot two. I'm not like five, five foot and 200 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> About six, six one and a half and 200 pounds. And so I, I weigh myself. We got a scale in our, our bathroom. I weigh myself pretty much. every day. All right. If it's after kind of a, you know, a weekend where, you know, had some, I was a little bit loose with my eating. I'll hop on that scale and I might be 206 pounds or something like that. When I go by Wednesday, I am back down to 198, 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really thought about how I'm going to get back down there, but I just, there's just something that's triggered in my head. That's you no know, man. I'm 200 pounds. This is, this is how much you are. And before I know it, like there's a self correction that just naturally happens just from this, this interior thought that my identity, I'm a 200 pound person. Mm. When we have an income level in our mind, that's tied to an identity. That same kind of correction, Mm -hmm. subconsciously, it happens. And a lot of the time it happens in the era of self-sabotaging. And I have found this even in myself, even as my business has started to to grow, right? Where all of a sudden, you know, we we had one course that was a a five-figure course and it turned into a six-figure course for us. Uh, There was even a thought that as I was doing my daily journal, I was like, this is too much. Like, we need, I need to, st- and like, I actually, it was like, I need, I need to, sell, to I need to stop selling. And I noticed that I was just like getting into this place where it was just like, uh-oh, like there was these thoughts that were popping up that were, you're making too much money. You're setting an expectation now that you can't meet. Can I pause real quick? I down. saw
3: him doing the behaviors of somebody he was cutting down, mm-hmm. like actually doing the things to make money. Yeah. I saw it in his behaviors. I was just
2: like totally like pausing. And really, when I recognized this, it was something where I was like, okay, what's going on? Well, there was a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a fear that was there. And this fear was like, I'm not going to be able to, to deliver on this, right? I'm not going to be able to deliver on this value that I'm putting out there. But well, when I put that in I subjected it to reason, there it really wasn't a rational fear. I had, I couldn't find any evidence for that other than the fact that this is just something that is unfamiliar. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you're doing the, the work, right. And you're starting to see the results, know this, this will happen. If you're not being offensive with this, it will happen. It will ambush you and I'll show up in this secret self sabotage that it sounds like in this situation is going on. And so when we can kind of be conscious and aware that it's going to happens, again, going back to what we said earlier, We like homeostasis. We like normal. We like the results that we're used to because we know the risks associated with it. There's something very self-preservation with Mm -hmm. that. But if we don't like the results that we're getting, the same way of thinking, that same mindset is just going to continue to produce those same fruits. Like that same word will continue to be the same word that becomes flesh Mm -hmm. in your life. Words become flesh. We don't get to choose whether or not the words in our interior life become flesh. It's what we do. It's God's design. We do get to choose which words, however, are the ones that come, become flesh. Mm-hmm. We're doing that with the Lord. But we are by our very nature incarnational beings. And part of our purification and this this growth that we're going through is like I learned a new lie that I didn't know before I was, before, when my program was just a, a five-figure program, before it became a six-figure program, I didn't know that this lie was there. And the Lord allowed this growth. Mm-hmm so that I could bring this lie into the light so that we could deal with it. And a lot of it was tied back to this anxious attachment style that I have in myself where I was just, just very much worried about my, I, I didn't feel worthy of this mm-hmm. and it exposed even this interior lie of my own goodness that I was still assenting to. And the Lord was like, no, 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 no. You can't, experience, you can't even be open to receive all that I desire to give you that eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor has it entered into your heart, Matthew, what I have planned to give to you because I love you. You can't even receive it while you're still holding on to this old lie. So let's bring this lie into the the light, renounce it, repent of it, and let's move forward. uh, And my grace will be sufficient.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. That's good.
1: And I think think, um, just even in hearing this question and thinking back to our own journey years ago, the transition mentally of opening your bank account and seeing almost no money there because... You haven't been managing it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden being used to opening your bank account and always seeing money. That's a huge mental shift. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And if you don't make that transition and discover some of those things you just talked about, Matt, uh, you could very easily almost self-sabotage for that preservation Mm -hmm. to keep that status quo in the norm.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You probably think about money a lot less now too, my guess. Mm When you have like, you, yeah. you probably think about money a lot less. I, know, I, right I think a lot about money, a lot less. Mm-hmm. And a yes, lot when
1: it's not money. the, the parent yeah. talking to you on your mm-hmm. shoulder, say, say, begging you to pay attention to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It
3: doesn't talk as much. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I think to address this thought, like, why am I sabotaging myself? It's kind of like, you cannot change your behaviors with, strategy alone you have to go to the beliefs mm-hmm. because you, your mind and your body will follow your mind will keep going back to that old belief that's very comfortable mm-hmm. which is like i make this ma- much money i just do mm-hmm. right this is what we do I, I that thought comes up all the time with my journaling like this is just what i do and and at a certain point you need to say but it's but it doesn't have to be what I do now, like moving forward. And really some of these thoughts that like, that seem very neutral and seem very kind of moving you out of that space are actually some of the most powerful. We call them ladder thoughts. They're kind of like Mm. the rungs up the ladder.
2: Yeah. Many metanoias on the way to greater conversion. So it's like,
3: but I don't have to keep choosing this as to what I do. I don't have Mm -hmm. to keep saying, this is how much I make. I could possibly think I could possibly think that I could make more. Maybe twenty-five thousand more a year. That would be kind of cool. So you just kind of open up your mind a little bit, but the minute you say I don't know, or this is what we do, or this is what we Mm -hmm. don't do, shuts your mind down. The Lord it shuts faith down, it shuts it all down.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Aaron had a client that had that had one little money hang up. One little money hang up and they worked through it. And she was an entrepreneur. And she talks about this in her course uh, quite a bit, but she shows her bank statement of what it was the year prior when she still had that old thought, and then she shows the bank statement from the first quarter after that mindset shift, and they were equal. The money that she had made in an entire year, she made in one quarter, and it was this realization of how much this. Thought. All it was it was like, and the new thought was just like, making money is fun and easy. Yeah. That was it. That was the new thought making money is fun and easy. And or what
3: if making money was what, funny? That's what we started with, yeah. actually.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. You have any more?
2: No, I think okay. we're good for the next one. All right. Time. We've
1: got the last one. And I will say this one won't be hard for me to be in character of because <sighs> this has been a struggle of my own journey. Even even in probably the last two years, I've had instances. So I can definitely pretend to be this character. <laughs>
0: Let's
1: do it. All right. So the final one, um, we're debt-free. We have emergency savings. We budget every month. But I still can't spend money on myself. I can spend it on family or friends, but never on myself.
3: Okay. So – yeah. Okay. Right. I'm just going to go into coaching you on this one. Right. Okay. So we're debt-free. Have savings. Oh. So going back to that definition of what money is, is an exchange for value. Mm-hmm. So where, why do you have less value than your family and friends? Why do you get to decide that?
1: I guess I don't, I don't get to decide that. Um, it seems like the things that I would want to buy for myself don't have as much value. Mm. I do. Mm-hmm. But the things I would want to spend money on
3: seem silly. Mm. All right. I'm, I'm going to also go to this. Why is this a problem?
1: The fact that I don't spend money on myself? Yeah. Um, sometimes it's not. Because I have everything that I need and Mm -hmm. there isn't an issue. But then I have noticed that sometimes I I should have probably spent money on certain things because then when I didn't, I got spun out in resentment, anger, and
3: frustration and fatigue. Mm. Okay. So that's the problem. The problem is I don't spend money on myself and... And if I don't, in those certain situations, I will be resentful. Yeah. Because you actually, the only reason why you'll be resentful is because you're having a thought, I deserve this and I can't spend money on myself. Just all thought in your head that you get to choose, that you're choosing. Right. Nobody else is saying you can't do that.
1: No. In fact, I have someone telling me I should buy that. Yeah.
3: (laughs) There's like other voices, people going, "Hey, go ahead and buy this." So it's just interesting that you're kind of a victim to your own thinking here
1: mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I think I mean, it's just uh, I'm not sure exactly where it comes from,
3: mm-hmm. and
1: I'm sure that everybody who you know I've heard has struggled with this comes at it from a little bit of a different angle.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: but for myself personally, you know, what's got us to where we are today? is very much my Nebraska frugal mm-hmm. upbringing, you know, where we're just no fuss people. And so, you know, every time we hire a cleaning lady, for example, I will fire her six weeks later because I should have done it myself. Mm. Um, things or like I'll start getting massages and then I will stop mm-hmm. because I shouldn't have more than one every so now and again.
3: Yeah, notice all your shoulds here. Yes. Yeah, these are all rules they made up. All very arbitrary w- rules. It's like, oh, because a good mom or a good wife only gets one massage a month. Yes, <laughs> and then <that>, you, you <laughs> make that. I'm I'm kind of making this light for you to show because I know a lot of people are going to benefit from this. But I would even go in and change the word. I can't. I can't spend money on myself. Like as if okay. you don't have the free will to do that. Right. To, I could spend money on myself. Not I should, but I could. Yes. And I get to make that decision in that moment. That
1: feels that's a
0: lot better.
3: I mean, that's,
1: that's true. true. It, that's the yeah. truth. Yes. And Yeah. I think oftentimes it, um, in one, in usually in a marriage, one person will kind of make the budget and the other one will just review it. Mm-hmm. So I think where this happens is when I sit down to make the budget, I make all these shoulds without him. Mm-hmm. So when you come and look at the budget, you're like, "It's good." You move on.
0: Because it usually is. But mm-hmm. he doesn't
1: see any of the like things all I the removed. Internal
0: arguments you already had.
1: Mm-hmm. The internal, yeah. yeah. Yes.
0: So I didn't even know those those we're needs or those desires table. or whatever it was were there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Otherwise, then, I, oh, well, you're thinking about that? Yeah. I think we can make that happen. You should do it. Mm-hmm. I Amanda, want... I am
2: you. Yeah. In this
3: <laughs> <laughs> Are you? I know. And I want you to enter into that thought. I could, I could spend this money. I I just want you to tell me what that one word emotion is when you think that, because you, you might not, right? Give yourself the option to not do it too. Right. But I want you to enter in that place of ownership. Like I could spend this and I get to decide in that moment or at the beginning of the month when I budget it. But like, right. how does that feel? I could do this. Mm-hmm.
1: That feels relieving. Mm because I have a choice.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not just a self-selected, you know, whip myself on the back and offer it up, get another soul out of purgatory. <laughs> Some yeah. thought script that I can sometimes subscribe to.
3: Yeah. So that feels a lot better than resentment for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I can't leads to resentment. It leads to feeling victimized, powerless, all of that. Right. Stuff. Yes. Words have weight. They Hold so much weight when you say words like I can't, you know, it's not always true. So to just say, what's another word that I could use here that feels a little bit better? Because here's what's going to happen next time that comes up, that option comes up and you go, no, no. Remember, I'm going to think I could spend this money on myself or not. Here's my two trajectories. If I say I can't, I'm going to go to resentment. If I say I could, I possibly might. And which path do you choose even right now? You know, which path do you choose in that moment? That's going to have a big impact on your resentment level towards your family. And ultimately, what makes you a better wife? Like, is it you not spending money on yourselves or, or are you being super and being super resentful or being like, I could, I could do this. I could go get a, you know, like, what makes you a better wife and a better mother? You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you can really kind of see where each one of those thoughts lead. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. The other piece with that word should, mm-hmm. it, it carries a moral weight mm. to the experience. And we, we actually just did a podcast, Catholic coaching podcast on, on this, on decision making, where so often we're we're coaching people and they've assigned a moral weight to the decision, where that should means that, you know, if you... It's right and wrong. It's a right and wrong mm-hmm. circumstance. And it's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it just comes down to preference or like Aaron's doing is she's just restoring it back to its choice. Notice if it's just like, I shouldn't smack my kids you know <laughs> tell them to shut up like right. you shouldn't do that that's like there's moral weight associated you with that. you need to one. go to
3: confession after you do that
2: <laughs> but like here it's it doesn't when it's when we apply that should where it does not belong it uh presupposes that there is an emotion there's a there's a moral weight mm-hmm. that's in that decision and when it's not there um
3: It leads to resentment. It does. Resentment leads to a lot of unnecessary tension. Mm
1: -hmm. It does. But yeah, I I can see myself sitting down and having this conversation now, and I'll do it with you next time. Mm
0: -hmm. Gladly.
1: So that you're there. But knowing that I could Mm -hmm. is just going to, I mean, it would nip so much of that in the bud because then when I feel tired later, I can remember back to the moment when I knew I could and it was totally in my grasp to choose it. Mm-hmm. but we chose together something else. Yeah. That feels good to me. Mm-hmm. And then that. that would kind of like pummel over whatever, oh, I'm so tired or whatever thought is trying to take space in my head. Mm-hmm. And instead I can focus on the thing that we decided to choose or mm-hmm. I can go do the thing that uh, we wanted to. Mm-hmm.
0: Get the mani petty.
1: Yeah. Yeah, whatever it was. This has been
0: the whole reason for you having a show, isn't it? More many petties. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hmm.
0: <laughs>
1: but no, that feels a lot better um, than just kind of silent thought conversations mm-hmm. that keep me
3: trapped in a loop. Mm, yeah. And I think a lot of women struggle with this. I'm so glad that you brought this up because we are – Really amazing at being resentful, <laughs> women are, <laughs> because we're really bad at being receptive and actually being intentional in these moments and feel like victims, like to our circumstance. But notice when you said I could, your mind went to, here's how I could do it. It started finding all these, uh, like I'm going to sit down with Jonathan. We're going to go through these things. I'm going to tell him. I'm going to get. My four massages this week, or this, this week, this week, this week. There you I go. Know. That would be like next level. Daily. <laughs> daily, I could get massages daily. You know, I have a conversation. But you go and find a way when you open that up and say, I could do this.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm,
3: like it gets the brain
1: neurons That's right. creatively thinking mm-hmm. instead of just stopping yeah. dead in their tracks and shutting it down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I like too, you said. What did you say? Uh, Would you say like internal thought conversations or something like that, mm-hmm. right? And so, even maybe you know, folks listening to this, you might not be married to an expert-trained coach or anything, but when you share what you're thinking out loud, one, you get to hear it, and maybe you hear it differently with your ears than your inner voice. Um, but then your spouse gets to hear it too, and then even if they're not the you know have all these t- tons of tools and ideas and all this stuff, they can probably still say, well, I don't know about that. Sure. Or, well, <laughs> I don't know. You keep, you keep, we keep saying, oh yeah, you know, you keep saying no to this. What if we said that yes this time or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, we, you know, we're getting here when you, but the could, you get, there's possibilities. And another phrase I've always, uh, that I've, once I learned, I've kept coming back to is the, um, how might we? So, right, so you could do this and then, okay, if we do, well, how could we do that? Mm-hmm. How could we figure out how to have more massages or how could we uh, find a way to go on that trip and not ruin our future goals or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's when you get creative, which is right another role uh, that we have been called to step into as part of our humanity to create.
2: Yeah, to, it's another way that we image God in
3: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. creativity. Mm. That's, I love that. How, how might we, how might we,
0: how might we do this? And I love
2: to, what could does is where should takes the desire and it says, it stuffs it away. It has this, the desire. there is something that is, is not seen, but the could allows that desire to come out and be acknowledged, right? So much of the spiritual life is about seeing, right? Desiring to see, right? The beatific vision. That's the goal. Of the Christian life is you see God face to face, but also to be seen, right? And so when we have these desires, which Catechism 27 talks about God giving us these desires. These are God given. Yes, fallen, right? Needing to be purified and matured. But those desires are, there's an image and likeness of God that needs to be seen um, by the other, Right? Mm-hmm. It needs to be revealed. It needs to be that lamp on the lampstand, that city upon a hill. And when we just dismiss those desires, we dismiss an image and likeness of God that that we were created. Our purpose is very much tied to revealing to the world. Hmm. So maybe they want a little meta, right? But <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: Maybe a little meta, maybe a little noia. I don't know which one.
3: That's right. <laughs> Oh
0: Oh,
2: my goodness.
1: This has been such a fun conversation. You guys, uh, I just looked at the timer and we're over an hour, but this has been such a rich discussion. And I think that our listeners, I can already hear them running off to kind of sit down and think through some of these things and identify some of those thoughts they have and, um, pick up on where they're saying the shoulds instead of the coulds. um, If somebody is listening to this episode and they want to go deeper and they want to get to know you guys more and they want to do some of this thought work, how can they follow up with you?
2: Sure. Well, we have a couple options. So first of all, CatholicCoaching.com is where you want to go. used to be Metanoia Catholic, but nobody knows how to spell that. (laughs) They
1: don't know Greek.
2: (laughs)
0: C-A-T-H-O. Oh, wait. It was the other part. Yes.
3: That's the correct one. CatholicCoaching. So
2: CatholicCoaching.com. Is where you can go find our website. You can find our podcast there, uh, the Catholic Coaching Podcast. Uh, That's on iTunes and Stitcher and all the places you find podcasts. Um, Aaron and I have been referencing this journal. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have a journal called the Menanoia Daily Seven Journal. You can download a free digital copy of that. Just go to CatholicCoaching.com, click Get Started Anywhere. And uh, you can download a digital copy and get a free uh, mini course, seven-day mini course that comes with it that walks through these seven exercises. It's really the foundation of what we teach at Metanoia Catholic. It's like the, uh, we consider ourselves like the personal trainers, and the journal work is what you're doing. It's like we're teaching you how to do the exercises, and then you go to the, the gym by yourself in your journal, and you do these things. And you will get stronger yeah. uh, in, in being re- transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's an opportunity for daily renewal with that journal. Uh, We also have the Metanoia Catholic Academy. So this is for when people are looking for the next level, uh, what they're doing. Uh, We do group coaching with that. And so if you really want to improve, bring your money mindset uh, uh, or any sort of mindset, uh, struggles to the table, you can get coached by Authentically Catholic Coaches, with a Good Sound Catholic Anthropology. Uh, So you can be confident there. Uh, Group coaching. um, There's monthly workshops that we're doing. We've done emotional life. We've done goal setting. Uh, we're getting ready to do relationships in the coming months here. So our thoughts about our relationships, if you haven't, if you have a person, a relationship that you want a next level, uh, mm-hmm. you're really going to want to join the Academy November and December. We're going to be focusing on that. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else? Or if you if you want to become a Catholic coach, like we have a program called the Purgative Way, mm-hmm. really. Uh, so the Purgative Way is our Catholic coaching program for people just want to, um, maybe you're a coach already and you want to make your coaching Catholic or maybe you just want to get into the space uh, of, be, of Catholic coaching, like Aaron and I are doing mm-hmm. um, purgative way, to check it out. Uh, again, go to Catholic coaching.com, find coach training on the website.
1: Awesome. We can put those things in the show notes. Yep, too. Yeah. We'll
0: have links to everything. Great. Perfect.
1: This is wonderful. Thank you so much for having us. I love yeah, Thank you guys it. for right. jumping on the podcast. And again, uh, go to the show notes. If you want to connect with Matt and Aaron after this show, wraps up, but until next time, bye for now. Thanks for joining us today. You can learn more about this show and the Wallowin program at wallowin.com.
0: Music in this episode's from Dylan Gardner. Listen to his new album, Almost Real, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. See you next week.